Welcome to episode 215 of Live Happy Now. I'm your host, Paula Phelps, thanking you for joining us today. Most of us enjoy doing things we're good at, but how do we feel about the things we're not so good at, and what can we learn from them? Today's guest is here to talk about that very thing. As publisher of Harper Wave, an imprint she founded in 2012, Karen Rinaldi is at the top of her game professionally. But when it comes to surfing, a sport she truly loves, she freely admits that, well, she sucks. And her new book, It's Great to Suck at Something, explains what she's learned by embracing her shortcomings and learning to love the gifts that come from being truly bad at something. Karen, welcome to Live Happy Now. Hi, Paula. Thanks for having me on. This is an exciting topic to talk about. One of the reviews calls your new book an anti-self-help book, which, which I love that. I love that terminology. Did you set out to write it with that intention? I didn't. I didn't even know that that was a category. And then <laughs> you started we a whole new show. <laughs> well, you know, I've been, I've had this idea about, you know, this phrase in my head. It's great to suck at something. Oh, for 12 years or more, 14 years. And I've been writing around it for a really long time, but it really didn't occur to me to make it into a book until I wrote a New York Times essay that was published in April 2017, so a couple of years ago, called It's Great to Suck at Something. And it was about sucking at surfing. And the response was so huge that my agent called me and said, I think that's your next book. So I set out <laughs> just to tell these stories and just to talk about my philosophy of, of you know, the joys and that sucking at something can bring. And I, it seems that I've fallen into a zeitgeist moment where failure is being embraced. And that, I, I mean, I didn't realize that was true or that was coming. So I've been thinking about it for over a decade. So it's really funny. It's the way things happen. Things you know, sort of come to a, a sort of an inflection point where an idea kind of bubbles up from the culture. Probably we're all responding to the same thing, right? So, this you know, perfectionism. Is, yeah. Perfectionism is a lie. <laughs> and the fact that so many people respond so strongly to this, you know, it shows us that that really has struck a chord with people of like, I, I don't want to try to be perfect. I can't be perfect. Exactly. And there are actually studies done about perfectionism and how a striving for perfectionism. So this doesn't mean striving to get better. It doesn't mean striving to improve. But the idea that you can get to a place where what you do and who you are or you know is perfect just leads to heartbreak and sorrow. And in fact, there are, you know, there are studies that show that it leads to depression, anxiety, and, you know, you know, states of mental illness where the, you know, people who accept their imperfections, you know, accept them. And what I'm saying is even better than accept them. I'm saying embrace them, you know, kind of are healthier, you know, in all ways. And I think that the idea, it's like, it's such a relief, right? Like you just go, oh yeah, I, you know, I always think people say I'm such a perfectionist that I can't do X, Y, or Z, right? We hear oh, all the man. time. You know, if, how many, I hear that probably once, at least once a day. And I always, it makes me sad because I think, that's just a reason not to do something. And it's fear. And it's fear that if I am less than perfect, I will not be worthy of love. I mean, that's really where it goes, right? And oh, yeah. Like, no, no, embrace your imperfect self. That's, you are worthy of love as an imperfect human. We all are. And that's basically what this book is really meant to embrace and promote is that idea that, you know, that 
perfectionism is a lie and it's a burden that we carry. And if we let go of it, there's so much hiding underneath that lie that we can experience that will bring us joy and community and self-love and, you know, get rid of the critic in our head. But it's a tough thing to to let go of because I know people exactly. that I grew up with. And, you know, so we're talking a few years where even, you know, as children, they were so pushed and so driven, like they had yeah. to get the A's, they had to do all, you know, do check sure. all the boxes and do it all right. And even now as adults, that that is how they live their lives. So how does someone who's made that their lifestyle, how do they start letting go of that? Well, I think so. the whole suck at something thing, I mean, this is really where this book comes in, right? So I I get it. I get that striving. I get that fear that if I mess up, I'm going to be shamed, that I'm going to be less than, you know, less than awesome. And by by doing this thing, right, by learning to surf at a very old age, I mean, I started at 40, which I wouldn't recommend to anybody. <laughs> That's but, not old. But, 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 but <laughs> well, I, I'm not, listen, I've been doing so I'm 58 now. So I've been doing it for like 18 years and I never got good at it. It's always been really difficult for me and I'm still very, very bad at it, but I do it anyway and I do it with great intention. What I realized is that by allowing myself to do this thing that was very hard to do, but that I love doing, to love it in spite of the fact that I wasn't good at it, right? To lo- to keep doing it in spite of the fact that I'll never get good at it. I get better at it. I improve. I really do. But good, you know, I'm not going to get good at it. I started too late. I found that I was, I would forgive myself for messing up in the places in my life where it did matter. Whether I surf well or not doesn't matter, right? Nobody, I'm not getting paid for it. Nobody needs me to surf well. It doesn't serve any purpose. It's just the experience. And I think, I really believe it. We can practice. So to, this, so to answer your question, how we get out of that perfectionism mindset that's, you know, killing us, I say practice, do something for sing dance, take guitar lessons, learn Latin, go, you know, join a pottery studio, do yoga, you know, anything you can do and you don't have to be good at it. And watch where your mind goes when you do it and forgive yourself for not being good at it. It's like a practice. And that practice kind of gives back to you, right? And then Mm -hmm. you start sort of going, oh, so when I mess up in the things that are really important, my job, being a parent, being a partner, being a, you know, a friend and a daughter, like the places where it really does matter to me to be as good as I can be at it. When I do make that slip, because we all do, I have some muscle memory to remember what it feels like to not be good at something. Go, oh, I know what this feels like. So what happens when I mess up? Well, if I miss that wave, I have to learn why I missed it and try to get better next time and to forgive myself for instead of going, you know, damn, like you're terrible at this and get mad at myself. (laughs) I go, instead of saying, you know, you suck and get and admonish myself, I say, isn't it great to suck at something? It's just a reframing. It's a pivot away from self-criticism into self-acceptance and compassion. And then we can bring that lesson through. It's not that it makes you a better parent or makes you a better, you know, publisher in my case, or, you know, makes you a better, you know, host. What it does is it allows you to know that perfection is, you know, something you're not going to get to and then love yourself anyway. And that kind of self-forgiveness and self-compassion is is going to spill over into letting, encouraging you to try new things. Even as you say, if, even yeah. if you suck at it, you're going to yeah. say like, okay, it's okay that I go ahead and try this thing. 
Exactly. And don't stop yourself before you start. So two things are there, which is you don't even know what's lying on the other side of that thing that you try, right? A, you might be good at it. Who knows? You might have a, a, a talent for it. But even if you don't have a talent for it, it might make you really happy to do it. I am happiest. The kind of counterintuitive thing here is that I am happiest when I am paddling out to surf, knowing full well that it's a thing I am least talented in. And there's something in that exchange that just makes me laugh. I think it's funny, but it, it's never gone away. And I think, wow, I find joy in the thing I'm least held in, partly because there's freedom in that I don't have to excel. It's the one place, the one thing I do where I don't have to be good. And what a, <laughs> it's a relief, right? Like what a relief. A lot of people come back and talk about golf. You know, everybody goes, oh, right. yeah, I know what you mean. Because Go golf is, looks lovely and leisurely and people, you know, go to the golf course on Sundays. It's so hard to do well. And I think people have to, you know, grapple with being a bad golf player, but wanting to go out to the course and for a round of golf anyway. And I always think, yeah, it's okay. You're out there. It's beautiful. You're in nature. You're having fun. You're swinging a stick at a ball. It's ridiculous in a way. So like, okay, so I'm not good at it. <laughs> Just what pick <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Whatever, whatever it takes. It's like, oh, I can't make this putt from, you know, you know, 50 feet away, but I could make it maybe from 20 feet away. And I don't mean cheating. I just mean not taking it so seriously. And that lets us laugh at ourselves. And, you know, Ethel Barrymore has a great quote. She says, we grow up the first moment that we have a good laugh at ourselves. And I think that's really Oh, true. that's beautiful. Yeah. It's a good and, quote. <laughs> you know, and most of us do build our lives around only pursuing what we're good at. You know, I, I know I'm guilty of that. It's, yeah, absolutely. It, you know, like my partner does CrossFit and I'm totally a yoga person. And she's like, you should try this. I'm like, no, like I, I cannot look that ridiculous in front of people. So, <laughs> you, you know, but you talk about, OK, go ahead and try those things that that we aren't good at. And yeah. how did you discover this? I mean, what what was it that not only let you say, OK, I'm not good at this, but hey, I still love this. Well, that was I mean, surfing was something I wanted to do my entire life. And I was too afraid to try for a couple of reasons. And when I finally thought, will I get old and never try to surf? And I was, you know, what stopped me was I was fearful of the ocean. I was fearful that I would get hurt, which you do. I was fearful that I would just suck at it. And I thought, <laughs> I, can't, I can't go through saying I didn't try because I was afraid. And that was worse to me than the thought of being afraid and, and, and being bad at it. What happened is I did it, I took a lesson, I took two lessons, and I just got that buzzy, crazy feeling that like, this is awesome. I don't even know why, because I wasn't good at it. But what happened is in the effort, I found that I got so much juice and so much energy from the effort of trying to do something that was hard. So if you're a yoga body, right? Yoga is one I totally, I can identify. I love yoga. I don't mm -hmm. do CrossFit, but I love lifting weights. And I've always been like a sort of you know, jock where I just want to be strong. Well, that's the other thing. So I've always been really athletic. So I thought surfing would just be another thing I could do and do pretty well because I'm a pretty good athlete. And you know what? It kicked my butt. <laughs> Surprise! That there was, but that that humility is really powerful, right? And I thought, oh, this is good. Like, you know, I think I can just dial this because I've always been good at you know sports, but 
you know, this is going to teach me some lessons. So a lot of it was what I got out of not being good. I know that sounds crazy and counterintuitive. It's like, because you're always, it's always new, right? Novelty is an amazing thing when you're not good at something. So to get really good at something, you have to automate it, right? You have to be so good at it like that you can do it without thinking. And there's a flow. And believe me, I understand that expert status. And I'm in that expert status in a lot of different things I do. But when you're not an expert and you're doing something you're not very good at, you're, it's always novel, right? It's, it's a novelty all the time. So that kind of keeps your brain on fire, right? You're constantly, you know, having to improvise and think and, and react. And it kind of gets you jazzed, right? If you think about that. And I'm sure it's always, more mindfulness yeah. because you're not like, as you said, there's a state of flow and that's incredible. But when you have to be completely focused and in the moment, there's something that happens to your brain then as well keeps you present, right? So it's like being in that present state. Surfing is great for that because there's no other place you can be but in the present because the things are happening unlike they've ever happened before or will happen again in that moment and you have to react. So you're always reacting to that moment in the present. That was one of the other things I loved about it. But I think that would be true you know, if you try CrossFit, I know I have a lot of friends who do CrossFit. You know what's interesting about the CrossFit community, though? If you went and did it, I don't think the people there would berate you or laugh at you or scorn you. They would be, they would embrace you and try to help. And that's another knock-on effect of sucking at something. People want things from experts, right? But when right. you're not good at something, it invites kindness and the assist from people who do it better than you. So then you have a community that can rally around you and say, let me help you. When I'm surfing, I like, I am, I am brought to tears by the generosity and the kindness of the people in the lineup who want to help me. And I don't have that in my life and other things because I'm good at a lot of things, I guess. I mean, because, because like you, you do the things you're good at. You, you don't, you don't go towards the things you're not good at. So I am always like, yeah, I got this. I got this. I got this. You do yoga (laughs) because you got this, right? Like me in the yoga studio, I am such a kook in the yoga studio. I get really nervous before every yoga class that I take because I know I'm going to probably be among the worst yoga in the (laughs) class. And I'm very self-conscious of it because it's beautiful, right? Yoga is beautiful when it's done well. And I'm falling and I'm awkward and I'm a big, strong person. And I still, it doesn't matter because it's so freaking hard. So, but you got to get over that and go, okay. Then I look to people and say, can you help me? And then people help you. And that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Gives you a whole different appreciation for how the recipients, when you are the expert, like how they must feel. It probably also opens you up with some generosity in your own life by being the recipient, I would imagine. Yes. Oh, then that's, you just, well, you just nailed it. You just added perfectly. So what you give yourself, of course, is what you are then able to give to other people. So not only in that generosity and kindness, which you go, you know, wow, it's awesome to help people. You know, I love to help people surfing, even though I'm a really bad surfer. If I can find somebody who is even worse than me and I can help them, you know, it feels really good. Or, you know, if I help them in publishing or in writing, you know, it's something I I am confident in or cooking. But on the other side, too, is that judgment thing that we do. And the reason why we judge others, you know, there's all that hate online and trolling and everything that people do trend now, which is heartbreaking and just miserable. And people say, well, how do you feel like when people, you know, if you put yourself out there as a writer, as anything, you definitely get attacked. And I say, you know, they're not talking about me. They're actually just talking about themselves. So when you forgive yourself for not for sucking at something, for example, or making mistakes or being less than perfect, right? Once you forgive yourself, you know what you do? You forgive other people as well. And you talk about finding joy in the process. 
And yes. that's something we really lose a lot of. We spend so much time looking at, you know, oh, I've got to get this done and here's the end point and here's where this project ends. And we really miss that joy in the process. How did you reacquaint yourself with that? What you were saying about doing it for the goal or the reward, you know, we're, we're, you know, trophy and gold star and, you know, financial reward driven. We think, oh, if we get the reward at the end of it, then that means I've done the right thing. And I think there's a lot of freedom in doing something not for the gold star, not for the accolades, not for the great, you know, Instagram post, you know, you do it just to be present and for the experience and for the joy of it. Let go of that end game that you were talking about because that end game can also be killing. Like if everything is about a quiproquo, what am I going to get at the end of this? You know, that's going to lead to a lot of heartbreak because you're, you know, it's not always going to give back to you. So my thing is like what it gives back to you is the fact of you just doing it, you know, even if you do it badly. And that's such a great place to be able to reach in life. And obviously, this is something that you have worked on and you've been intentional oh, yeah. about it. And and still working. On, I'm still working on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, truth, truth told, I'm still working on it. So you're not perfect at it. Uh, I, I am not perfect, perfect at sucking at something. <laughs> I am so not. <laughs> that's good, actually. That's you, very. You know and. And so many of our listeners are at a stage in life where they might think, you know, well, it's it's too late to try something oh. and and I am just going to suck at it. So so what do you say to them where where they're not trying something they wanted to try just for that reason? Oh, that's the best reason to do it is that you're at a point in your life where it doesn't matter if you're good at it or not. I mean, I think you you have to let go of some of that self-consciousness when you're young. It's, you know, your peer group's really important. You really care what other people think of you. I think one of the great things about getting older is that I was able to shed some of that, you know, what do people think of me kind of thing and just kind of be. And what you find is that you invite more people in by being authentic in your messy self than you do in trying to, you know, be self-conscious and going, oh, I have to do this, this, and this, so I look cool or I look, you know, I'm acting my age. I'm like, yeah. What does that mean? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Like, you know, acting, you're like, don't do that, <laughs> you know. Nobody wants to, that. Nobody. Well, you forget to play, right? You want to play and playing is actually, I mean, again, the studies will show and there's, there's a whole philosophy here is that play is what makes us human. That's what separates us from, you know, the rest of the animal kingdom is that we play mm -hmm. only for play sake. That is human. You don't want to let go of one of your, one of the essential human gifts that we have because you're 50 or you're 60 or you're 80, you know, oh man, I hope I never stop playing. I hope I die playing something. <laughs> I don't know what it's yeah. going to be, but you know, why would you not? And again, cause you're not good at it. You know, I mean, you don't, I don't know, you know, if you're not in physical sh good shape, I don't know if you want to, you know, bungee jump, but you know, there are <laughs> things you can do. I know somebody who started teaching her, you know, learning Latin at 60, which was an amazing thing. She gift she gave herself. And now she teaches a Latin class and like, that's a big part of her life. She has this whole community. That's um, true. You know, yeah, there's anything you can do anything. So it doesn't have to be physical. It could be intellectual. It could be a handicraft. It could be any hobby, really. So I feel like there's there's never really the door doesn't shut. And by the way, our minds we used to think 
that our minds were set and that our brains were set and we couldn't learn new things. And now, of course, with all the studies in neuroscience, oh, yeah. our, brains, our brains are what they say plastic. It's, it's not really a good term for it, but neuroplasticity means that your brain is always capable of growing and learning. Always. Yeah. Ever. And I think that's and, one of the greatest things that has come out in the last few years is the knowledge that you have neuroplasticity and we can make these changes and the grooves that are in our brain don't have to stay cramped down <laughs> in no. that pattern. Nope. And all, it's only up to you. The only person who can change those grooves is, is you, right? Like you're the only one who could say, I'm going to do this. I just I heard a story about a, a guy who always wanted to sing and he was terrified of singing, but he went very privately and took singing lessons. And it's a, this big, long story. And he just, you know, after three years of doing this, you know, like kind of came out to his family about being this secret, like pop singer that he just does, <laughs> you know, privately. And it was the sweetest story. And it was, he read my book and he was, you know, he decided to come clean about it, but he was always so mortified that he wouldn't be great at it. And he realized, Oh, it's okay. But I love the fact that he's like, you know, a 58 and probably my age, you know, late 50s, 60 year old guy who started taking singing lessons. I mean, how beautiful is that? And like, do you love him more because he's taking them or do you love him less because his voice isn't good? Like you would never love him less. Nobody, nobody with a heart would say, I love that man less because his voice sucks. You'd say, (laughs) I know something more about you. How awesome that you just, you know, decided you took, you know, singing lessons and you're, and you're singing in church. He sings in church. He sings in, you know, in these, you know, choirs or, you know, it's such a beautiful thing. So I feel like once we allow ourselves to suck at something, we look at, we invite people to talk about it. We, you know, we learn and grow and you never want to stop growing, right? You don't want to get old and stop growing. I think that would no, be no. a bad thing. You, you got to keep it going. You got to do that. Keep, and you use it or lose it. Yeah, I mean, that is yeah. true. That's a real thing. I mean, <laughs> it is. Cliche, but it's a lot of cliches are true. Now, when you're hearing these stories that are being reflected back to you after people have read your book and to know that you're having this kind of an impact, what is that doing for you as you realize you've become a role model at letting yourself suck at something? Oh, uh, that that's a good question. I'm finding that I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. I'm loving it more than I even thought I would. And the truth of it is that I was trying to write that New York Times essay for a really long time. It took me years. Again, I can suck at writing too. It took me a long time. And part of it was that I realized I had, because I always wanted to talk to people about what they sucked at. I go, what do you suck at? And what I realized is that I had to go first. Right. I couldn't ask people because I was like anthropologically, I was interested in the idea. And when I invited people to talk about it, they got very, people would get nervous and sheepish and kind of like shuffle and say, oh, I don't know. I don't know what I suck. I don't want to suck at anything. I'm such a perfectionist. I would hear all the same lies until I said, oh, I'll go first and I'll go first publicly. Right. So that's when I wrote the piece. It got picked up, you know, thankfully it got picked up by the New York Times. And then I posted a video of me surfing. Now I could hide behind the fact that I surfed and people thought it was sort of cool, right? Because, Oh, Karen surfs, isn't that cool? (laughs) But so what I did is I posted a video of me sucking and it's really awkward. It's awkward and it's goofy. And I just look, you know, I just, I look ridiculous doing it. And I said, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to post it. And people were like, Oh, you really do suck at it. I'm like, I was not kidding. And you know what? 
it just opened the floodgates for people wanting to tell me their stories. And I thought, ah, perfect. That was a humbling lesson where it's like, Karen, you have to go first and then you open. And I am moved to tears every day by the missives I get, by the emails and the, you know, the the messages. And when I'm on radio, when I was on radio and people called in and told me their stories, I'm literally, literally moved to tears that they come out and tell me these stories and share, not me, they're sharing these stories and letting go of some of that shame. Just let go of the shame. If you could push the shame aside and celebrate it instead, you know, whoever takes that on, I feel like I've given something back to the world. Karen, really appreciate you sitting down and talking with us. Uh, yeah, you know, Paula, this is such a you. terrific idea, such a terrific approach, and I think we all can benefit from it. So next um, I'm going to hear from you is a story that you'll send to Gmail about your first foray into CrossFit, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, me me with a 10-pound deadlift. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's hard. It's hard. It's, you know, I get, I totally get it. But, you know, maybe your partner needs to do yoga with you and you do CrossFit and you just think, appreciate how there you're awesome in the things you do and the things you suck at. <laughs> I think we should do that. We might have to talk yeah. about that. You could do it. Write about it. I'd love to hear it. I'd love to hear the story if you do it. Now I'm getting fired up. So. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Karen, you're wonderful. Again, it is great to suck at something. We all do it. And so thank you for opening that door and giving us all permission to do that. Ah, thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. That was Karen Rinaldi, author of It's Great to Suck at Something. If you'd like to learn more about Karen and her new book, please visit us at livehappynow.com. We hope you're already a subscriber to Live Happy Now, but if you're not, you can find us on Pandora Podcast Network, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play. Just look for us on your favorite platform and then hit subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. That is all we have time for this week. We'll meet you back here again next week for an all-new episode. And until then, this is Paula Phelps reminding you to make every day a happy one.